really getting into like where the the stories of how climate is impacting people or how people are you know challenging that or challenging the systems and kind of trying to make a difference. This is Series 5 of Brave New Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Lou Hamilton, and I welcome you to the Women's Impact Project, in which my guests share how they are positively impacting the world and the courage it takes to do so. If you're interested in making a difference by guesting on podcasts, you can find out how in my latest book, Dare to Share. This week's guest is Margaret Toe, founder of Studio Saka, who helps scientists, educators, non-profits, entrepreneurs and government agencies better communicate social and climate solutions through film, design and immersive experiences in order to engage public conversations and inspire action. Welcome, Margaret, to Brave New Girl podcast. Hi, Margaret. How are you? Good, Lou. I'm good. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Uh, It's lovely to have you here across the pond. And I'm really interested in this particularly because I'm an artist and my paintings are very much involved in climate change. And and so it's really fascinating to have the opportunity to talk to you about creativity and climate change. So in 2020, you did a project that really changed you. It was a video series about regenerative agriculture in Hawaii. So what was it about it that had such a profound effect? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, Back in 2020, um, that that project, um, just a little recap, it's a video series about regenerative agriculture that's in Hawaii. And I had a chance to work with Center for Food Safety, Um, and also with a Honolulu-based video production company to create animations that explain there's different initiatives from four farms in Hawaii. So, you know, it talks about community composting, farm-to-school programs, and I think that project really inspired me to learn about composting and gardening and how to work with the earth. And I think at that point at my career also, I was just starting out in my freelance career and trying to figure out how to set up my own studio. And I think that project really kind of kickstarted that interest specifically in regenerative agriculture, because there are so many issues around climate crisis. So I think that definitely it's an introduction. It kind of opened my mind into, you know, all these different um, methods that we could approach specifically to specifically regarding, you know, food systems and agriculture. So yeah, I really did found my passion there. And also, I think because it was the start of the pandemic, a lot of people kind of, you know, they were staying home and, um, you know, you, you kind of think about where your, your food comes from, too, because you know, there people are like rushing to the grocery stores and, you know, bulk buying everything. So, you know, it, it think you, you kind of make me think about, you know, how can we use our, like, these are some of the basic skills, I think, like, you know, working with the land and food and, and gardening and farming. So I think a lot of people also went back to like, if they have a backyard or a patio or 
something like try to grow something on your own, and and that's something that have also kind of it inspired this video series and and getting to learn about these techniques also inspired me to kind of get into gardening and and yeah it it definitely opened my mind up. <laughs> It's funny, isn't it, that, you know, with all the technology and all the kind of evolution and development that we we see that's sort of growing exponentially and, and are seeing ourselves catapulting towards AI. But actually what happens is when we're trying to find solutions, quite often we go back to how things were done in the very olden days. Yeah. So all those things that you were talking about are actually how people used to farm. Right, right, exactly. And so working with children, did that give you also a sense of, you know, their their passion and enthusiasm, which is much more kind of innocent in a way? I think I did learn a lot from my nieces. Uh, you know, during the pandemic, I, I actually lived uh, with my sister. So we were all together in the same house. And I, yeah, I think just kind of getting to get out to we we have a little front yard that we have a small space where we get to kind of experiment with gardening when um when everything is just you know we're just stuck at home so just kind of seeing how they interact with nature and you know i think really they they're excited about everything and they're so observant i'm always really you know in all of what they are able to notice and what they, you know, all the small things. Like if I did something, did some research online about, you know, oh, how to grow um, this specific native plant or how how do we um, do companion planting? Like, oh, the basils go well with the tomatoes. And, you know, they really, really remembered. And <laughs> they, they're they so observant. They know exactly, like, they're, they're kind of learning with me. And along the way, like, I'm learning from them as well because they would notice things that I don't <laughs> notice. So, yeah, I think children, they definitely – yeah, they inspire me and in just kind of getting to look through and see through their lens and how they see the world. Yeah, I think sometimes we need to we need to get back to our childlike perspective to to see the world. And it's definitely more exciting and more observant. And I feel like children are more in tune with nature as well. And also for them to experience the whole process of a plant growing from seed through to to blooming and fruiting that actually makes nature become something that they can identify with as opposed to a tomato coming in a plastic bag from the supermarket exactly yeah what was it in your childhood that you, when you're looking back you think oh actually i can see in me the things that i have become sort of make sense so my childhood, I actually grew up in Hong Kong, and I have been there for 17 years. So all, you know, all of my childhood and teenage lives have been spent in Hong Kong. And I think as far as like, climate environment, like I'm aware of it, like I've de- I'm definitely aware of how important, you know, sustainability is. And I think kind of understanding a little bit about our impact, but not too much into it. I feel like I was mainly, I I was a creative kid for sure. Like I love drawing and, and I always have a sketchbook with me and the, you know, crayons and, and, and pens. And 
I think the I always had a great imagination. So I, I love kind of documenting things like <laughs> with my sketchbook, I would, you know, if I watch a TV show or something, I kind of like to document, you know, what was happening. Um, so I think that kind of flew. Um, it's got brought on to my adulthood as well. You know, the the creativity and liking to document things with drawing. Um, but I think sustainability, it didn't really hit me until a little after. Like, I feel like I was aware of it, but also kind of living in this concrete jungle. I don't think I was exposed to, you know, all the environmental issues. Like, obviously, there's air pollution and everything, but I don't think I made that connection when I was a, a child. <laughs> and then at 17, you left Hong Kong and you moved to to Los Angeles to study design and animation and you've said that that was very freeing on the one hand but challenging on the other so what was it about it that you found both kind of that you were able to sort of unleash your creativity but also feeling that you you were struggling on the other hand so I think at 17 you know I'm still figuring out what I want to do in my career and and having the opportunity to come to the United States and just having that, I think there's a lot more opportunities in terms of in the arts and animation, you know, that's what I came here to study for. So there are a lot of opportunities here. And I think the the culture, like they're more open <laughs> to, yeah, the culture here is definitely more open to like, and, and they put more emphasis on art and creativity. So I think being coming over it, it was challenging because there's a kind of, you know, still a little bit of cultural shock and, and just kind of, there's a lot of terms. Like I think growing up in Hong Kong, like we could speak English and everything, but coming to the United States where there's a lot of slangs or cultural references that, you know, I'm still learning and it, it really took years to, to understand a lot of these things. So I think on, on that end, it, it was challenging to to find out where I fit in and trying to just absorb everything. Um, but freeing in the sense that the, it, it gave me the opportunity and it also kind of opened my mind up to so many more different you know, things, whether it's like different artists or art style and just going into school, we um, we get to learn about, you know, kind of the history of animation and just knowing where all of these um, artists and inspiration, where they come from and like their influences. I think I it definitely exposed me to a lot more different um art styles and also people who inspired me and I think you know I think every day I get inspired by different things and every day we kind of pick up different things that we kind of put in our toolbox like I feel like we're we're kind of a new person every day we we get to see something new so I think yeah that that kind of influence me as an artist someone said that they felt that uh, I can't remember who who it was, but they they said that everyone should have the opportunity to go to art school and 
that there is so much about art school that you know is not about kind of learning techniques but much more about learning to look and and think and critique and observe and and experiment and play and all of those things that you know when you sort of get out into the world you sort of then have to kind of jump on the the job train or the I've got to make a living train and and so how did you in in that atmosphere how did you develop artistically definitely the the way they um allowed you to experiment and like I I guess I didn't really I didn't just take classes that were I kind of tried to take different classes that were kind of out of my out of what I normally have a chance to like for example taking like a stop motion class or definitely I agree with you it teaches you how to I think it teaches you how to think and concept and I think that's very important especially when you kind of come out to the real world and I think that that skill is very important is like being able to to kind of think creatively and how to solve problems a lot of the technical knowledge I actually learned after college like you you don't really get very very good in school you you really get good when you're on the job but I think being able to to be surrounded by the students where you can get peer critique and also like learning how to receive that feedback as well and with all the instructors I think they um, I think one of the projects that would definitely yeah kind of exemplifies that is doing the the thesis film that I did yeah it's a short film that is about my childhood in Hong Kong I get to experiment different styles with it, like photography, documentary style, but also implementing animation within it. And I think the the professors were really encouraging as well. And they were able to guide me in a way and help me think of how to, you know, how to kind of change, like stitch a story together. So, yeah, I think definitely it helped me a lot. In, in kind of creative thinking and, and ideation. And then when we go out into the world, it's a kind of a whole other ball game. And we find that we're sort of weaving all over the place, not really sure of, of what we're trying to do. And, you know, we know the, the thing that we love to do and, and how to do it. But, you know, we're very much dictated by the kind of work that we can get. And, and then something happened in your life that, um, sort of really galvanized you into to knowing what direction you wanted to go with with your work and and that was watching the film Before the Flood by Fisher Stevens and for me the film that did that was Cowspiracy and and sort of overnight I knew that that's where my creativity needed to be directed so what happened with you when you saw that and and how did you implement the change that film definitely impacted me a lot and I think along with a lot of other films as well, but <clears throat> I think I have, I've always had an awareness, you know, for nature, but, you know, that film really made me realize that, yeah, it really helped me realize that every, every action that I take has an impact and direct relationship with the earth. And I think I started that movie really, 
helped me start at questioning about where everything comes from, you know, from our food, packaging materials, you know, how do I get to work? Like every little thing that I do in my daily life has a direct impact. And I think that just helped me kind of reassess how I'm living and like my day-to-day, how like my daily life impacts the climate. And also I think after having that realization, it it kind of went into a whole, you know, like guilt and, and shame, but I definitely think that shouldn't be the way, like that's how I started. It's like kind of focusing on the individual action, like my own action, how am I impacting the climate, but it has slowly transitioned into thinking about how the system is the problem, not an individual can only do so much. So we definitely need community action, not individual. Well, individual action is important as well. But I think when I first started, um, it definitely impacted me personally. But I've learned throughout the years and being connected with all like different people who are also equally passionate, knowing that individual action is important, but community action is, you know, the system is the problem. So kind of alleviating that, that guilt and shame. And uh, I think my work has evolved that way as well, like from focusing on how can we do, what can we do individually to solve this problem um, to like thinking about how do we kind of make this an opportunity to raise awareness for the community and how do we collectively solve the problem because no individual can solve this big issue so kind of, yeah I think yeah that that movie it's how it started my journey in in the climate and I think my perspective ha- have shifted since then and it shows how powerful a communication tool for film is and the arts are and creative endeavor is. And so you then decided that you were going to set up your studio, Saka, but you'd been kind of freelance before or kind of working for other people. So starting your own venture meant that you you decided to go and take a woman entrepreneurship class. So how did those two things come together and help you move forward into having a business that allowed you to use your creativity to find climate solutions? I did started out freelancing, well, from, from a full-time job into freelancing. And I think at the beginning of that journey, there are, you know, there are a lot of uncertainties and I I'm very new, very much new to entrepreneurship and I've been working at a full-time job for six years before I kind of made the leap to freelancing so it was a uh, yeah I did make that decision you know like I I feel like I I need to do something that's that's different and I am very passionate about both animation art like I love that medium but also how do I translate that into and or how do I kind of bring it back to, you know, sustainability. And I feel like I could, you know, 
there's something there that I could hone in on and, and keep developing. And that's when I started freelancing and trying to find different projects like the regenerative agriculture that I came across. And it, you know, that is like one project that is kind of really in the the world that I really want to be in is the, those type of topics um, in the environmental space, but also using animation and design to kind of explain that. Or I think it's a very powerful tool, um, both for, I think animation, yeah, both for adults and, and younger kids or as well. It's a, it's a very powerful medium to tell stories. So that entrepreneurship class, I think it changed my mindset from being a freelance from a freelancer, like thinking myself as a freelancer, um, then uh, compared to like an entrepreneur. I think kind of shifting my mindset to think that I'm not just a freelancer. I'm a business owner. I'm an entrepreneur. Like that shift kind of helped me think more holistically about running a business. I think freelancer, I always just think about, you know, how do you get from one job to the next job? And you're just kind of trying to plan um, ahead (laughs) or trying to line up projects for yourself. But shifting that mindset to an entrepreneur, I think I am taking more responsibility and ownership and also being more proactive in how do I get myself out there. And it's I think a lot of freelancers can also kind of shift their mindset that way too. It's like, if you're a freelancer, you're also a brand. So how are you presenting yourself? And whether it's through online or like meeting in person, like I think that kind of changed how I think about, yeah, it kind of shifted and helped me as I, as I started the business. I think that that mindset shift definitely helped me do you find that I mean you've done some really really interesting projects and so have they been mainly climate solution projects that have been happening that you've been then to come and ask to film or have they been uh, maybe projects that people have come to you and said you know we want to get this message out there how how can we create a film from scratch that will help us to do that I think people have come from different places when they have a project sometimes it is through a specific for example uh, a university who they wanted to do a series of educational videos targeted to high school students so they already have a script ready and they want that to be produced so we can help out with that you know we we kind of take in the script and able to kind of help them storyboard it out kind of think about how do we visualize this script and also thinking about the audience as well. How do we tailor a story like this to an audience like high school students and have them interested in, in these topics? And your question was like, are, are there projects that are also like more in the beginning stages? Is that right? Well, so like the uh, regenerative agriculture project. So was that um, a project that was already happening that you were then asked to come and film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for the regenerative agriculture, that those projects, they, they already started. So 
actually there are already uh, there's already a video production studio in Honolulu who filmed these a lot of these footage and did the interviews with these farms. So that specific project, they kind of brought me on for the animation portion. So they already filmed everything, but they there's some sections within where composting, like for example, the process of composting, um, it might be easier to illustrate with animation. So I was brought on after to kind of, there's some sections within the story where animation is the better medium to explain the process. Yeah, because with composting, it can take a bit of time <laughs> to turn, yeah. turn from one thing into another. We've, right. uh, we've got a wormery on our balcony. And uh, so it was like it's like this box that you put the earth in and a load of worms. And then you just kind of feed it with bits of old vegetables and stuff. And uh, and for ages and ages, it, we'd lift the lid and it would still be just a load of old vegetables sitting on the top and the worms kind of wandering around in, in amongst them. And we were thinking, oh dear, I don't think this is really working. But then yesterday, we there's a tap at the bottom and we opened the tap and put a um, watering can underneath and out came all this li- this black liquid. And it's like fertilizer juice or wormweed, as we call it. And so we added that to all our plants and and uh, but all, that all of that kind of magic happened sort of hit, hidden behind, you know, underneath the lid. So um, animation is fantastic for things like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's so interesting. I think that's something, too, where I realize, you know, things take time. And I, I think, you know, like nature kind of shows us that it's like good things take time and it takes time to process. And nowadays, I just feel like there's uh, so many things that we're just expecting that it will happen right away, or I need, you know, my internet's going to load right away, and I need to watch this video right away. (laughs) But yeah, like, I think kind of slowing down and um, the pandemic also helped me think about that too. Like, you know, we, and I think we're going too fast, like everything is like too much (laughs) all at once. That's interesting, because the climate change is happening incredibly fast mm-hmm. and we've got to act really really quickly but the the solution is to do everything slower and and yeah. kind of in the old way so so that's quite hard to get our heads around those two different speeds and so with film as communication how do you think we can best move forward to to spread information and inspiration about kind of different ways of doing things to help to help save the planet but without kind of putting people off or scaring people you know terrorizing people because it it does happen to ha- have to happen fast um so there's a kind of real mix of messages that we need to get out there in a way that uh, people can embrace and not run away from and so how do you see that moving forward I think it's definitely a a tricky situation where there are a lot of films that, I mean, it has done it to me too. I'm like, wow, you know, that's terrible. Like, what are we going to do? And I think that doom and gloom mentality and and the fear, it it paralyzes people. Like, I think it's not the right way to go. And even though sometimes like, 
it, it is the reality. So it is a fine line of balancing, you know, that harsh reality and how do we position in a way where I think it's important to be honest of what's happening with the situation, but also showing the hope and I think what has really inspired me and not <laughs> make me lose hope is just seeing the people who are, they're doing so much to help advocate for this issue. And I think personalized stories and really getting into like where the, the stories of how climate is impacting people or how people are, you know, challenging that or challenging the systems and kind of trying to make a difference and trying to, you know, really like save our own livelihood also. But I think those personal stories are really impactful and just seeing the the solutions and, and there, I think when I see hope is like, for example, when I see just a land where a community is able to kind of transform that into a community garden and you know and then how does that impact the community too like it brings people together it you see the garden thrive and you see the people thrive so I think examples like these and like stories like these that I've came across um, personally those are the the things that kind of kept me going and I think there are so many stories so many inspiring stories out there that are not being noticed. And I think those are the stories that we need to capture and, and bring it to a bigger audience so we can see that there are solutions out there that people are making a difference and, and there, it's something that we can solve. Yeah, like we're, we're not shying away from, you know, the, the damages, but, but I think seeing those stories of overcoming, overcoming these hardships, I think those... Um, stories would really help resonate with people and and help encourage us to to keep going and in the light of that how do you define courage yeah I know that's a, such a great question and I think courage is for me courage is someone who's able to embrace the fear and not letting fear kind of overtake you and overwhelm you but you, you turn it into an energy that would motivate you to keep you forward. You know, as entrepreneurs and as if you start your own business or you're, you're just starting out doing something new, there, there's always a lot of hesitant and, and fear. So I think just kind of acknowledging it, taking it in, but also not letting it stop you from doing it. Like, I think that that is someone who is courageous. <laughs> Thank you so much, Margaret, for channeling your creativity for climate solutions and helping others to see how they can make, make a difference too. Thanks so much. It's been really fascinating hearing you and good luck with all of your projects. And I look forward to watching all your films as they emerge and uh, come out into the world. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lou. It's a pleasure. Take care. Speak soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thanks, Margaret, for showing us that wherever we are at, we can all make the incremental changes that are needed to help save our planet. 
You can find out more about Margaret's work at www.studiosaka.co and follow her on LinkedIn at Studio Saka. Thanks to Silk Studios for producing and sourcing the guests for the show. And thanks to you all for listening. Take care, choose courage, and see you next week.